Section 10 of Reviews by Oscar Wilde. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Rose. Reviews by Oscar Wilde. Edited by Robert Ross. Section 10. Olivia at the Lyceum. Dramatic Review, May 30, 1885 Whether or not it is an advantage for a novel to be produced in a dramatic form is, I think, open to question. The psychological analysis of such work as that of Mr. George Meredith, for instance, would probably lose by being transmuted into the passionate action of the stage. Nor does Monsieur Zola's Formule Scientifique gain anything at all by theatrical presentation. With Goldsmith it is somewhat different. In The Vicar of Wakefield, he seeks simply to please his readers and desires not to prove a theory. He looks on life rather as a picture to be painted than as a problem to be solved. His aim is to create men and women more than to vivisect them. His dialogue is essentially dramatic, and his novel seems to pass naturally into the dramatic form. And to me there is something very pleasurable in seeing and studying the same subject under different conditions of art. For life remains eternally unchanged. It is art which, by presenting it to us under various forms, enables us to realize its many-sided mysteries. and to catch the quality of its most fiery-colored moments. The originality, I mean, which we ask from the artist, is originality of treatment, not of subject. It is only the unimaginative who ever invents. The true artist is known by the use he makes of what he annexes, and he annexes everything. Looking in this light at Mr. Will's Olivia, it seems to me a very exquisite work of art. Indeed, I know of no other dramatist who could have retold this beautiful English tale with such tenderness and such power, neither losing the charm of the old story nor forgetting the conditions of the new form. The sentiment of the poet and the science of the playwright are exquisitely balanced in it, for though in prose it is a poem, and while a poem, it is also a play. But, fortunate as Mr. Wills has been in a selection of a subject and in his treatment of it, he is no less fortunate in the actors who interpret his work. To whatever character Miss Terry plays, she brings the infinite charm of her beauty and the marvelous grace of her movements and gestures. It is impossible to escape from the sweet tyranny of her personality. She dominates her audience by the secret of Cleopatra. In her Olivia, however, it is not merely her personality that fascinates us, but her power also, her power over pathos and her command of situation. The scene in which she bade goodbye to her family was touching beyond any scene I remember in any modern play, yet no harsh or violent note was sounded, and when in the succeeding act she struck, in natural and noble indignation, 
the libertine who had betrayed her, there was, I think, no one in the theatre who did not recognize that in Miss Terry our stage possesses a really great artist who can thrill an audience without harrowing it, and by means that seem simple and easy, can produce the finest dramatic effect. Mr. Irving, as Dr. Primrose, intensified the beautiful and blind idolatry of the old pastor for his daughter till his own tragedy seems almost greater than hers. The scene in a third act, where he breaks down in his attempt to reprove the lamb that has strayed from the fold, was a masterpiece of fine acting. The whole performance, while carefully elaborate in detail, was full of breadth and dignity. I acknowledge that I liked him least at the close of the second act. It seems to me that here we should be made to feel not merely the passionate rage of the father, but the powerlessness of the old man. The taking down of the pistols and the attempt to follow the young duelist are pathetic because they are useless, and I hardly think that Mr. Irving conveyed this idea. As regards the rest of the characters, Mr. Terrace's Squire Thornhill was an admirable picture of a fascinating young rake. Indeed, it was so fascinating that the moral equilibrium of the audience was quite disturbed, and nobody seemed to care very much for the virtuous Mr. Burchill. I was not sorry to see this triumph of the artistic over the ethical sympathy. Perfect heroes are the monsters of melodrama, and have no place in dramatic art. Life possibly contains them, but Parnassus often rejects what Peckham may welcome. I look forward to a reaction in favor of the cultured criminal. Mr. Norman Forbes was a very pleasing Moses, and gave his Latin quotations charmingly. Miss Emery's Sophie was most winning, and indeed, every part seemed to me well acted, except that of the virtuous Mr. Burchell. This fact, however, rather pleased me than otherwise, as it increased the charm of his attractive nephew. The scenery and costumes were excellent, as indeed they always are at the Lyceum when the piece is produced under Mr. Irving's direction. The first scene was really very beautiful, and quite as good as the famous cherry orchard of the Théâtre Français. A critic who posed as an authority on field sports assured me that no one ever went out hunting when roses were in full bloom. Personally, that is exactly the season I would select for the chase, but then I know more about flowers than I do about foxes, and like them much better. If the critic was right, either the roses must wither, or Square Thornhill must change his coat. A more serious objection may be brought against the division of the last act into three scenes. There, I think, there was a distinct dramatic loss. The room to which Olivia returns should have been exactly the same room she had left. As a picture of the 18th century, however, the whole production was admirable, and the details, both of acting and of mise-en-scene, wonderfully perfect. I wish Olivia would take off her pretty mittens when her fortune is being told. 
Chiromancy is a science which deals almost entirely with the lines on the palm of the hand, and mittens would seriously interfere with its mysticism. Still, when all is said, how easily does this lovely play, this artistic presentation, survive criticisms founded on chiromancy and cub hunting. The Lyceum under Mr. Irving's management has become a center of art. We are all of us in his debt. I trust that we may see some more plays by living dramatists produced at his theater, for Olivia has been exquisitely mounted and exquisitely played. End of section 10. Olivia at the Lyceum.